0: Welcome to Word Matters, presented by the Christian Standard Bible. Word Matters is a podcast dedicated to helping Christians understand some of the most confusing and controversial passages of the Bible. Now join the conversation with your hosts, Trevin Wax and Brandon Smith.
1: Can we pray without doubting? That is the question that we are discussing on this episode of Word Matters. I'm Brandon Smith as always, with my co-host, Trevin Wax. And today we're discussing James 1, 5 to 8. And helping us work through this passage is Dr. Darian Lockett. Darian is Associate Professor of Biblical and Theological Studies at Talbot School of Theology. Uh, is also the author of a few books, including Understanding Biblical Theology and Reading the Catholic Epistles Together. Uh, we're also really grateful to serve with him. on the uh, He's one of the members of our CSB Translation Committee. Uh, so Darian, thanks so much for hopping on with us.
2: Yeah, my pleasure. I'm glad to be here.
0: So we're looking at James. Uh, This is the letter that uh, Luther had a famously rocky relationship with because he he thought it created some difficulties. Or uh, to be fair to Luther, I'd say we'd say that he didn't think that it brought out justification by faith alone but but later
1: on he actually came back and reneged that a little bit and And said no it belongs in the canon yeah it belongs in the canon he accepted it a little bit that that
0: was good Uh, (laughs) but but we're going to be looking not specifically at faith and works but uh, today we're going to be looking at a a particular text about prayer and about doubting so i'm going to read james 1 5 through 8 in the csv now if any of you lacks wisdom he should ask god who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly and it will be given to him but let him ask in faith without doubting For the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Okay, so Darian, as I as I mentioned, this passage brings up some interesting questions. Um, The most obvious would be: Does anyone have the ability to pray without doubting at all? Um, Are we supposed to? have perfect faith in our prayer life? Are we supposed to somehow drum up uh, of righteousness in order to pray and expect the Lord to answer? Help us know what's going on here in this. this
2: Yeah, yeah, Trevin, you set that up well. The the concern in this passage is, uh, especially in a letter where James otherwise is arguing that you are not justified by faith alone, but through works. The worry is Would someone think that asking in faith without doubting is somehow the work that God requires of me? Mm -hmm. I have to have this kind of unwavering faith. Um, Really what I want to do is try to head off at the past, the misunderstanding that someone might think there's no room for honest doubts. There's no room for hesitancy before God. There's no room for questions. There's no room for uncertainty. I think that's often how this passage is read. Again, especially in light of the rest of James. Sure. This is an unrealistic expectation that I would come to God and ask, and ask with utter faith, with no doubting whatsoever. But I hope to like step through this passage and do three things just really briefly, and then we can maybe move on to some application. But I want to start right in the middle of this passage, right where you read, Trevin, and ask what kind of doubt does James have in mind here? Uh, and then work to connect that doubt, right, to ask in faith without doubting. Right. Connect that later in the passage to this really key word James uses, double-minded. Mm-hmm. That's a key idea. So that's the first thing. Second, um, I want to work back to the opening verses of James. We didn't read them, and I'll read them here in a minute, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, where we see a sharp contrast between double-mindedness, which is negative, negative. And then perfection. Now we might have some trouble there. God but, expects me to be perfect. Um, well, we
0: we addressed that in a, in a different podcast episode where yeah. we talked about be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. John uh, right. Pennington, yeah,
2: and yeah. and, and uh, Jonathan's a good friend. That's you know Matthew five forty eight mm-hmm. Uh Matthew and James is using the same That's kind right. of idea here. And so we key for James to see the contrast between double mindedness and perfection. And when we get there, we'll talk about what maybe James means by perfection. And then finally. I want to I want to land on this and then talk about application. But James shows us how God's character is, or as the undivided giver of wisdom, is the redemptive solution to our doubt and double-mindedness. So here I want to make sure to avoid the misunderstanding that God doesn't leave us on our own, that we have to somehow generate faith, such bold faith. But it's actually God's character and his undivided character as giver of wisdom, that he is our redemptive solution. So first of all, let's look at that word doubt. Um, the word doubt. I don't want to get too deep into the weeds, but that word doubt here is a participle. It comes from the Greek word diakrino. Now, now diakrino is a very interesting word. You could kind of break the word down into its two component parts: double judge or judge again. Um, and it's in the it's in the passive. There's a lot of argument and discussion about this participle. Um, as it's written here, I would argue that it is referring more to vacillation than perhaps um, unbelief intellectual doubt or, or intellectual yeah, right, doubt. Right, yeah, right. we're not talking about someone who's losing their apologetic mojo, right? Mm-hmm. They, they they can't remember <laughs> right. the arguments for the existence of God, or or right. or they're doubting, you know, some particular theological idea.
0: So, what does that vacillation look like? Yeah. In, in, in practice. So, like, how does someone know, am I vacillating, am right. I not vacillating? Like,
2: So apologies for this. I, I'm from, I live in California now, but I grew up in Kansas. And when I was a high school student returning from a friend's house way out in the country, dark night, dirt road, driving way too fast, my headlights shine down the road and lo and behold, what's there looking back at me, but the two beady eyes of a little squirrel. The squirrel looks back at me. He sees me coming. Of course, I'm a 16 year old. I don't on the brake and the squirrel I know what goes through his mind I need to get out of the way this way's faster oh no wait no this way's faster oh no wait this
0: way he's dead
2: that is a picture of vacillation (laughs) well I'm sorry to offend the sensibilities of your listeners but the point is is vacillation is the dangerous wavering of loyalty Mm -hmm. between two poles And that's the very thing James is warning his audience of, not some intellectual doubt. It's not as if we have to have it all together. That's what I worry about. People are going to read this and they're going to be concerned that I can't have questions. I have to have it all together. I have to know all these things about God in order to ask in faith. But what God is asking for is utter loyalty, undivided loyalty. Later in the passage, James actually coins a word. The first time we see the word in Greek, uh, double-mindedness is here in James. And the idea of a double-minded person is a person with two minds. His attention is divided between God and other things. And as a consequence, he's unstable and unable to receive from God. So those images of the waves of the sea, they're unstable. You can't walk on that surface. It's undulating, it's unpredictable. The person who asks God, doubting, wavering, vacillating, that person person is is a double-minded person. Uh, In the Hebrew uh, Bible, in the Old Testament, the idiom is the person of the double heart or the person of the single heart. Hmm. Um, Psalm, I think it's 8611 in the Septuagint, talks about a prayer. God, unite my heart that I might fear your name. Yes. And so the prayer for a united heart, that's the opposite of double-minded.
0: This is part of what Jesus is probably talking about with blessed are the pure in heart Absolutely, they will see God. It's a- not just moral purity. Absolutely, that's but also right. It's not the person who has it totally together. together.
2: It's not the person who has strong faith, look at me. It's the person who has utter nowhere else to go. Hmm. Yeah. Utter confidence that God is the only one that can, that can uh, meet my needs. Uh, there's no vacillation. There's one last illustration for double-mindedness. Again, I'm not sure who your listeners will appreciate this or not, but- Does this one involve a squirrel?
1: No. Here, here's the thing, though, Darian. If they're still listening to our podcast, 40-something episodes in- <laughs> They're gonna be in. in. <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> all in. That's fine. Go <laughs> okay. so ahead. We don't lost I, them a long I, time ago. I
2: love the Harry Potter series. And so- it's Okay, maybe you lost them. What, right, really well- history.
0: You mean witchcraft? I'm the just kidding, idea I'm
2: just <laughs> that Voldemort, right, this arch-evil wizard goes to such lengths to preserve himself that he fractures his soul. Yes. He he creates these things called horcruxes.
0: Spoiler alert, people. If you yeah, haven't so read sorry. the latter Harry Potter but, books, but, turn it off now. <laughs> but every time
2: I read James and hear about double-mindedness, that is the desperate wickedness, yes. the brokenness, the barrenness mm. That's a great of the person with a double-mindedness. Mm-hmm. Their, their soul is fractured. Um, that kind of person cannot save themselves. That kind of person is broken so down deep. Uh, that they need rescue. And, and, and I think James is saying, look, if you approach God like that, you are not going to receive. You, you, you are terribly broken. So, so what's the opposite of double-mindedness? Here is where we need to go back to the, the beginning of the passage. And, and let me read James chapter 1, verses 2-4. through four. James says this, "'Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance.'" And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature, complete, lacking in nothing. And that, that word mature is translated in the ESV as perfect. And, and I worry about this word because perfect, we could misunderstand perfect. Once again, we could be thrown on the idea that, oh, I've got to be perfect. I have to have it all together. But the CSB has a great translation there, mature. Mm-hmm. Um, the Greek word here is teleos and I like to try to tell my students that what does teleos mean? Teleos means um, you are executing the function that you were created to do. Mm-hmm. Like so a chair, there's a chair in this room and has four legs, it has a back, it's ripped, it's, it's faded. It's not perfect in the sense that it has no flaws, but when I sit on it, it holds my weight. It executes the function for which it was created. That's the kind of wholeness that James is calling Mm -hmm. his readers to. Be what God has created you to be. Um, And and it's that kind of person, that's wholeness. Uh, That is the whole person. And and here it's really important to see not only in James chapter one where we're talking, but all the way through James, he uses contrasts all the way through his letter. I think a lot of people, Shy away from James or misunderstand James because they can't see the flow of thought or they can't see the clear theology in James. But one helpful idea about the structure through James is to see that he's using what is called the two ways motif. He's using uh, in wisdom literature. You see started. this in Jewish two wisdom literature. Absolutely, Psalm one: the way Absolutely. of the wicked, yeah. the way yeah. of the righteous, right. and all the way through James, he's giving you two options. And here at chapter one, it's you are either whole
0: or, or you are
2: double-minded. And there is no space in between. You are either one or the other. Uh, Throughout James, partiality versus non-partiality, control of the tongue versus non-control of the tongue, hearing the word versus hearing and doing the word, all the way through James. Look for that key contrast. Here is what helps us understand this passage. God is not asking us to to pray and to ask God with um, airtight confidence such that we have no questions or in a way that we have it all together. Instead, God is asking us to come to him, uh, ask him for wisdom, what we need, but ask like the poor beggar who has nowhere else to turn. There is no other alternative. There's nowhere else I turn. And just the last thing I wanted to say before maybe we think about some application points, um, is, is there where God's character is described in verse five. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who is this God? The God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly. I
0: love that, that translation, mm-hmm. ungrudgingly. Yeah.
2: Ungrudgingly. The first not part. Not withholding. Not withholding, absolutely. God here is being described as the exceptional giver. Yeah. He is the giving to all generously God. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the generosity that's being stressed by that Greek participle, but the undividedness. God gives with undivided intention or unreservedness the very wholeness God is requiring of us is the wholeness he already possesses and he gives freely to us when we ask when we ask out of desperation so i just want to encourage people when you read this passage he's encouraging you to ask as a beggar who has no other direction no other person to turn to no strength no confidence in my intellect but but a wholehearted confidence in God that kind of loyalty that kind of uh you know whole heart is
1: is what James is talking because yeah, you're you're, at, you're so at the end of your rope that you can't doubt that he's the only he's Absolutely. the only answer you've got and if you keep reading James in James chapter 1 verse 9 what does he say blessed is
2: the right the lowly one yeah right? Because he will be lifted up. Why? Because James is continuing on the same idea. It's the lowly one. It's the poor one. It's the one who has no other connection, no riches, nothing else to tempt his loyalty. Um, and so and I think at first we might read this passage and think, man, I, I need to have this incredible faith. How do I get that faith? I need to generate it myself. No, James is saying, you will be blessed and you will ask God and you will receive from God when you ask in utter desperation, when you have nothing else but God alone to turn to you.
1: So we've t- we've touched on a lot of kind of the application points even throughout what you've been saying. I mean, you're, you're preaching a good sermon here already. Um, but what are some ways we have pastors, Sunday school teachers, parents, uh, anybody who who is listening to this, what would be sort of a bite-sized you know, thirty-second way that you would say, "Hey, this is how I would handle this. This is this is the way to get this point across to to anybody who's." Struggling I mean, with for it. me, I hope it's helpful to you know in those
2: practical contexts that you talk about. For me, it's just very helpful to see the contrast, yep. what it is and what it isn't. Um, double-mindedness is uh, is the problem here, uh, and thinking of the Voldemort syndrome. Right, we're not just talking about a casual double-mindedness. We're talking about somebody who's in the soul split, and fundamentally, and, well, and yeah. wavering between. Uh, two things, Um, disloyalty. Just think about friendship. Maybe here's an illustration. Just think about a friend who is disloyal. Mm -hmm. Uh, Surely you've had a friend who's bouncing back and forth between you and somebody else and their loyalty, and you feel so betrayed. You feel so uh, badly done by. Uh, That clearly is illustrating what double-mindedness is that that James is talking about. We cannot relate to God in that kind of way, Um, like like a fickle friend.
0: uh, to add to that, I would I would say if I'm preaching this passage, I want to take a cue from what James does. Is when James ta- is talking about this kind of double mindedness, this kind of person who's doubting, he in this in this context, he's giving examples and illustrations of things you wouldn't want to be. Oh, absolutely. In contrast to who God is. So I I am always trying to leave the congregation inspired by the vision of of wholeness and undividedness that that. Uh, jesus or in this case james is is leaving with us and at the same time using apt analogies and illustrations to uh, like you mentioned with voldemort where people don't want to be split this way or some people may feel like that is something that they are uh some people may see themselves in in the analogies that you're going to use and you want to do whatever you can to inspire them to 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 dependence on god for wholeness verse and away from the kind of uh, unstable and divided mind that uh, that James is talking yeah, about. Yeah, when
1: I'm looking at this too, like the the idea that the doubter is someone who is like a surging sea driven and tossed by the wind, that's chaos. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. if, you're, if you're in that instability. sort of a, and yeah, the, that is instability, that's chaos. That's not what you want. That's not what God has for you.
0: No, you and know? what you wanna do in a sermon is, I, I, I would wanna build on that with some contemporary illustrations yeah. that would come alongside and, bu- and sort of buttress that illustration that James himself is giving us on that to, to really drive the point home. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and something else. Now, I'm a James guy, so this gets a bit That's why you're here, down actually. into the weeds. But uh, James is constructed more like a spider web than a straight line in his argumentation. Mm. So this idea of instability comes back up that's in chapter back. three when he's contrasting wisdom from above and that's wisdom right. from below. Wisdom from below produces jealousy, uh, envy, um, and strife. It's yes. actually the same word yes. uh, in both contexts. and so But that's like community strife, community instability. So you could illustrate, what does the double-minded person produce in our community, in our church, mm. in your prayer group, in your Bible study? Um, instability, unstable relationships, uh, brokenness and fracturing of the community. Uh, So uh, always pay attention to how James uh, has interconnections, especially between chapter one. Chapter one is almost like a table of contents, introducing the main ideas and themes in James. And then chapters two through five, expound on or Uh, develop these ideas and so if you're looking to illustrate absolutely uh, you know look for illustrations outside but james himself will will uh, develop some of these ideas Mm -hmm. uh, and give further uh, you know further illustrations of what he's talking
1: about well darren that's super super helpful thank you so much for hopping on with us and helping us think through this my pleasure what a joy thanks as always thanks for co-hosting with me thank you all for listening we will see you next time
0: thanks for listening Word Matters has been presented by the Christian Standard Bible, a translation that is faithful to the original languages but clear for today's audience. Find out more at csbible.com.